Hey guys, welcome to 7 Days of Dopamine. I'm your host, Nirvana Nokwe. And I get hits of dopamine when um, when I start to notice the synchronicities of life and also just bumping into, you know, friends from the past. The recent past, the very, very back, way back when past. It's just refreshing um, to see people that you once shared something with. And that you held dearly in your hearts. It's like a... I don't know. Yeah, it's like the... Oh my goodness, dopamine. <laughs> you make it's like, oh my goodness, you once made me happy. It's so good to see you. So refreshing. You're well. Fantastic. And uh, yesterday we... Well, in the previous episodes, we had a really nice talk on physiological size. Which is a tool that you can use to relax yourself when you're feeling a little um, anxious a little more stressed than you would like to. Um, this is fantastic because it's something that you can do in real time. It's just two inhales and then an exhale, double inhale, exhale. You can do a couple of those, three or four should get you back to baseline or somewhat there. Um, something very important to mention that um, in using these tools, we're not suppressing our emotions, but rather managing the hold or the, um, the degree in which they recruit our body and recruit our mind and recruit our decisions. So when I mention these tools, I'm citing them, I'm, I'm attaining them for, from a multitude of teachers um, from the wellness space, from the neurological space, from the astrological space, and the, phys- uh, the philo- philo- <laughs> philosophical space. Um, as well as in the traditional space. Uh, I really want us to understand that everything is connected and truly wellness is engineered. Um, Something very fascinating about Zulu culture. Um, Dr. Hellinger, he's a psychiatrist from Germany. He was able to cite this. He was able to um, acknowledge and, you know, acknowledge the value of, you know, the fundamentals of Zulu culture, which is systems. In Zulu culture, everything is based on a system. The birth of a child, okay, of course, every, yeah, almost every society has a system, but I'm specifically speaking to Zulu culture because I am Zulu, or at least I was raised in Zulu culture, so everything has a system. And there's a system for the birth of a child, the welcoming of a child into its, um, you know, ancestral clan. Um, Or no, not the welcoming, but the reintroduction, right? The, yeah, this is the reintroduction of the child to an ancestral clan. And then there is, um, you know, systems pertaining to, you know, the maturation of a child, um and there's also systems of allowing or at least you know making it a marker to let the child whom is now grown go out into the world and kind of just build their own lives um so there's you know i would say for women three very fundamental stages and then for men the reintroduction and um the um I don't know what to call it, uh, the maturation acknowledgement. And so each stage um, needs to come with a set of knowledge. 
a set of wisdom um, in order to assist that child to, you know, attain access, no, success, excuse me. Mercury retrograde is really, really getting to me. I don't want to lie, but um, we soldier on. And so, and so the psychiatrist, uh, Dr. Hellinger, he was able to understand the the you know the basis of it the 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 very base 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 he wasn't able to extract all of it of course but um he was unable to understand that with each and every family um what holds the family is the system so even if there were to be a conflict um or some form of infidelity or um yeah, everything needs to be acknowledged. Um, and we need to, and in that acknowledging, we understand the effects of that thing. And so, for example, with conflict, you wouldn't want it to go on, or let's say, for example, with infidelity, um, there needs to be a level of accountability um, and there needs to be a, you know, an atoning um, and also kind of like a, a public... I would say public as in the family, a public um, show of, of remorse to the partner and to the family, and the whole stru- the structure as a whole, um, and the acknowledgement of, you know, the, the damage that has made or the dent or the holes that has made, as well as the damage it could further make should there not be some form of a ceremony to cleanse. Another fantastic thing about our African cultures, and I'm specifically referencing Zulu culture today, is the the ability to, um, I want to say it's mediation, right? So some people may say it's deviation, but I would say it's mediation or an ability to clearly see um, the the structural flaws of a family through a person in consultation. You see this because, and I, and I want to link this back to a book that I'm reading called Women Who Love Too Much. And you'll, you'll notice how this um, relates to dopamine. So um, in Women Who Love Too Much, the premise is that every relationship is based on the relationship you have with your parents. And so this is, you know, this is phenomenal stuff to come across and to realize because then we're able to objectively identify our behaviors and they stop being such a subjective thing. Like the things that drive us stop being um, unseen to us. The powerful thing about that mediation, about that divination within African cultures um, through a some form of us a, uh, a traditional healer or even a, i would say even a family member who's able to cite um cite the the weaknesses or the strengths of a person and what would be necessary to cultivate um further blossoming of that person so you know what what's 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 fascinating about it and what's really powerful about it is that you know, you need to understand the precursors of you, right? 
You need to understand your precursors, so the people that come before you and the people who came before them to understand who you are and how you are. More so, how the nature of the people who came before you and the nature of the people who came before them and what they did and what they didn't do and the, the, the significant decisions they made to make you who you are today. I hope this is making sense. So everything is connected. And I think that, you know, you know science acknowledges that there is memory in our DNA. Zulu culture acknowledges that there is memory in our DNA and when there is a dysfunction, there needs to be some form of a, you know, a, I would say, I don't want to say it's, it's grand. That's not what I want to say. A significant event that needs to happen with the appropriate people, right? The precursors, the parents, the, or the uncles as well, or the aunts or the grandparents, with the necessary precursors and the acknowledgement of those precursors in order for you, in order for, let's say, in order for the system to be well so that everything, a part of the system can be well. Okay, dopamine. So I, I would, I want to say, okay, I don't, I don't really understand what the precursors of dopamine are. But I want to say that um, a, a huge, you know, our dopamine releases when they're triggered, how they're triggered, what gives us dopamine rushes or adrenaline rushes are largely, you know, they, you know, childhood is a very significant thing. Have, your family is a very significant event. And so a huge part of those neural pathways are formed in your childhood. So you'll find that, for example, I grew up in a very musical family. I also grew up in a family that was immersed in law and politics. And so I have an inclination to systems and to justice and to music and philosophy. So those are the things that really get my dopamine high, that really motivate me. Um wellness motivates me because that was you know a fundamental part of my childhood like it was (laughs) I almost want to say it was a brand shout out to my mom for for really pushing that um despite even her you know the traumas that she was dealing with um she still had the will to be well dopamine drive 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 so the things that we can associate with dopamine, of course, a lot of people know it as the happy hormone. A lot of people know it as the motivation hormone. It's also got to do with drive and reward, right? A lot of people know it for, as the happy hormone and the reward hormone, but it's got a lot to do with motivation and drive as well. The reason this is, I would say, I would say, is because Okay, no, that's just naturally its nature. But the the amazing thing about dopamine is when you're exerting any level of effort, right? Um, You spend, let's say from this, you spend from this account and you're spending, um, and I attribute this kind of analogy to Andrew Huberman. Go check him out. He's fantastic. You spend 
from this accountant, what you're spending is epinephrine. Epinephrine has to do with agitation so that you can move. The reason you feel agitated is so that you can do something to be in a better state. Yes, fantastic. Um, and then also exhaustion. So anytime you exert and, and, and quitting. So when you feel exhausted, when you feel like quitting, when you've hit your max, when you've spent so much epinephrine, oh, when you've gotten to that point of feeling exhausted and quitting, it's because your epinephrine is at an all-time high. And the thing that would, you know, the only thing that would push back um, the epinephrine or this feeling of exhaustion, this feeling of quitting, let me say, the agitation of the exertion of effort would be, or the, no, not even the, uh, excuse me, excuse me, let's cancel that. Not even the agitation, it could be, I guess, um, not even the agitation of the exertion of effort, but the agitation that you're not where you want to be, right? So please keep that in mind for the the part that's really powerful about dopamine aside from the things that i'm about to mention so dopamine has the amazing ability to push back on epinephrine like push it back and that gives you the sense that you can go further fantastic right so when we're working out and we you know we feel like we can do extra reps that's dopamine even when you're tired when you feel when you get the sense that you can do more that motivation is dopamine. Okay, I hope we understand that. So um, now we may ask ourselves, okay, cool, this is fantastic, but how do I get you know, dopamine secreted? Because I, how do I liberate dopamine in times where I feel exhausted? I really love, um, I really love these, you know, the proverbs, the quotes, of it's about the journey, not the destination. They really give us insight to the workings of the brain. And so a fantastic suggestion um, that, that uh, and a caution that Andrew Huberman would say is that it, it's number one, dangerous to place the reward at the destination, right? So you wonder why people who are very successful feel terrible, like, you know, very successful or very talented, just don't, you know, they lapse into a deep depression. Um, and I, I would say it's because of the lack of understanding of this process. What you want to do is remove or I'd say, you know, lessen the attachment you have to the destination, even though the destination is very important because you need to be able to um, know where you're going, right? But you want to attach the reward to the journey. So as long as I'm on, as long as I'm doing this, I'm on the right path is the psychology behind it. As long as I'm doing it, I'm on the right path. Now, what's fantastic is that it's subjective. So you can, you know, train your mind to secrete dopamine in the parts of the journey instead of the destination through shift of perspective, through affirmation, through just writing it down. As long as I'm doing this, I'm on the right path. Um, as long as I'm doing it, I'm, I'm getting better and better. As long as I'm doing this, I, 
I'm getting closer and closer to my goal. As long as I'm doing this, I'm attaining strength and wisdom at, at, at radical amounts. You know, attach the reward to the journey, to the doing. So interestingly enough, when people, um, you know, when, you know, when uh, I would say trigger warning, and I, I'm, tr- I'm going to try and say this with great civ- sensitivity, excuse me, but when people who are addicted to uh, cocaine or any form of hard, heavy drug, the highest levels of dopamine they would get is in pursuit of the drug. Of course, cocaine, you know, gives you unmanageable amounts of dopamine and then you crash. <laughs> you crash. I think that's why the the low is so low because um the low is so low because the high is unnatural and unmanageable. And the high doesn't acknowledge the natural process that you need to go to the natural process that you need to go through, which is high, low, ebb and flow. But we never want to go so low below the baseline. So we need to have a baseline. And this is why, you know, um, this is why having habits such as working out, such as making your bed, something as simple as making your bed, some, such as praying every day. Um, I would say the Bible, you know, of course, we all have our criticisms on the Bible. Yes, but there are habits, right? Let's say that um, the Bible, you know, declares, suggests, and you know, the Bible explicitly says, you know, there are certain things that are sins that bring about certain um, suffering. And I would say those are neuro hacks. Those are, those are, you know, maybe let's say that those are codes to understanding neurology or our neurosystems, our brains, and the whole, you know, cause and effect thing that's going on in our brain. So, a thing that can inhibit, you know, natural reflexes of dopamine. For example, um, I want to say, and it is subjective again, um, I want to say trauma. Trauma can inhibit the secretion of, or rather, let me say, liberation of dopamine. So I'll make an example with me. Earlier this year, I lost my voice twice in 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 a row. <laughs> twice in a row. So for <clears throat> it's so crazy that my voice started to get a little hoarse when I was speaking about that but um I was stressed so first an event happened where you know I I was kind of I had to sing above my range I was on stage and many dynamics were happening that were unsafe in that work environment but um there were many factors that were, you know, I was at risk of losing a lot. So I was at risk of losing the tool um, that I used to work, as well as the income that I get for working, as well as the safety within the environment that I'm working in. Um, there's a lot of verbal accost and sexual harassment and just a lack of, um, what is it, a contingency plan? Yeah, there was just a yeah not knowing how to deal with things appropriately and that led to a lot of trauma and so for a very long time so I couldn't sing for about six to seven weeks and then even after that it took a while for my voice to get to the place where it is now um 
and I'm so grateful that my voice is back. I'm so, 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 so grateful. Um, now I just need to ease into, um, you know, recording music, which is going to be fantastic. I'm so excited for making that music. Yes, stuff's coming out, I promise. Um, and so for a very long time when I would try to sing, I would just get very high amounts of, I just feel exhausted, high amounts of epinephrine maxed out amounts of epinephrine because it was too much effort because every time I would sing out you know my body would remember the trauma of the sickness and it was kind of still recovering from the sickness as well as the trauma of the environment where I was lost singing and I think um yeah it's it's really interesting right so trauma is one of the things that can really inhibit um your natural um you know, natural dopamine reflexes, like the, the things that would naturally give you dopamine. Um, I want to say, you know, people who've gone through some form of sexual trauma. Um, you know, I, yeah, yeah. But, but it's, it's, it's quite interesting, you know. I, I don't mean to trigger anyone. Um, you know, I've, I've gone through some, you know, some form of, some forms of sexual trauma. Uh, and... I'm still trying to understand what it is, you know, you know, the switch, because there's a lot of people who go through like hypersexuality, and that's something that I went through. And then also then just not wanting like a, a disgust as well, in conjunction to that. So yeah, that's something maybe that we can, we can discuss in the, but I just need to do more research. But let's discuss that in the coming episodes. And I'll, I'll make sure to be as sensitive as I possibly can and do the appropriate research so that um, whatever information I'm communicating is communicated in a manner that uh, serves to help and not to hurt. Um, but anyway, so we, now we understand this relationship that epinephrine, effort, and dopamine, motivation have. And now we also understand the power of our choice um, deliberate insertion of ideas that the the journey, the pursuit is the best thing happening. Now, there are occasions, for example, if someone has been, you know, using, you know, someone who's heavily traumatized, um, someone um, uh, and, and needs, you know, some form of assistance, ex- external assistance to kind of get back up, or it may just take a little while, um, or... And, but trust you, me, if you are traumatized, you can get out. As, if you can understand the workings of your brain, I, I, I sincerely believe that you can, you can do it. I sincerely believe that if we can understand the relationship between the mind and the body and the spirit, we can heal. Another thing is, you know, people whom are, you know, suffering from uh, or, you know, are using excessively hard substances such as cocaine, heroin, the baseline goes way low, right? So the lows are really, really low. Aside from the physical impact um, those substances have on you, but the ba- like the baseline on life goes so low that you know to get back to normal, it's gonna take a while. It's gonna take a lot. Let's say it's gonna take something really, you know, some very significant steps to. To number one, um, heal the neurotransmitters, the nerve endings, and you know, 
reinforce new habits that can, you know, move you away from getting those highs from there and kind of just attaining happiness or not happiness. That's that's a tricky word, but let's say fulfillment in things that serve your wellness. And so, yeah, we want to be very careful about the things that we use. And also, we need to be careful about the things that we use as drugs because addiction is not so much the what, even though it it can be, yes, or the what is an intrinsic part of the addiction, but the how. Um, I want to quickly speak on, you know, how do I put this, you know, in a in a in a manner that doesn't give too much, but I would say that I realized this year that my the absence of my father and then seeing him again for the last time um, after five years of not having had him home, you know, he moved to the UK after, <laughs> after uh, he had like a, uh, he went into a rage and, you know, he was quite violent towards my mother and um, my, you know, Ukoko at the time who was taking care of me. Um, it went really violent and I think, um, you know, someone could have lost their life. So, um, that happened and, and then I think, I'm I'm not sure. The thing about trauma is sometimes you forget because there's chunks of my childhood right now that I completely don't remember. Um, and I'm realizing this now, so I'm just actively trying to remember what my childhood was. And so, and so, um... And so he went to the UK. Um, the, the story was that, you know, the UK has free mental health services. So he's going to go to the UK and kind of just stay there. There was also family, some of my siblings in the UK. And um, also his, uh, um, I, I, I actually don't know what the status of their relationship, but the, the mother of my, my siblings as well in the UK. And so... And so, yeah, and so he stayed there. And then after five years, uh, I was crying and I was like, I need to see my dad. Like, this is just terrible. I was acting out in really crazy ways, I would say emotionally. And I just had a terrible relationship with my mom um, growing up. It was a really painful time. Um, And I think it it was painful for the both of us because a lot was going on. And at the same time, nothing was going on because my dad had gone. Um, so the, you know, the violence wasn't really there, but a lot was going on. And so um, it's interesting how physical and physical violence does and can transmute into subjective violence. So we went to the UK and, you know, the, this was the first time I'd seen him in five years. It was really awkward and I had sacrificed going to, I think, grade six camp or grade five camp. I was really excited about that camp, but I sacrificed it because that was the only opportunity to go see my dad. Um, And then, you know, on the last days, when I started to realize that this is, you know, I was also quite numb, I realized. I was quite numb and sad as a kid. And I realized that um, my dad, or yeah, my dad was, you know, we were going to leave and we weren't going back with my dad. But I think I also had an, like a very deep 
feeling that it would be the last time I saw my dad. Um, and so for, I think, two to three days, um, when my dad would come visit uh, at the place we stayed, we used to stay with a family friend of ours, Auntie Pinky. And she, you know, we would sit on the couch and I would just, you know, sit with him and take a nap and then cry every time I woke up cry at the realization that he was going cry at the pain of the fact like that my dad was going through so much turmoil and when I look at his natal chart at the time because I'm very much into astrology and um I'm just so sad that I you know I guess I can't blame myself for it but I, I I'm just so sad that you know this information was wasn't normal back then it was demonized because when I look at his natal charts the the week and the days and the, like so the day in which he passed away um it it specifically had i don't know how to put it let me say it it was a hard aspect in terms of what was going on in the sky and him you know he also had a mental condition bipolar and was stage 2 if i'm not mistaken and so and so i was just like if you know, I'm trying to be very careful with my words here, but I'm just like, damn, this is what he was going through. And as, and on top of that, his mental condition. And I can imagine how difficult it was in such a cold, racist country um, to be away from home. Yeah, he actually has a an album called Home at Last. Very interesting stuff, but... Um, anyway, so when, you know, when we left, I, I had cried to the point of peeing myself in the airplane. I had cried so much. I don't think I've ever cried that much aside from when he passed away and at his funeral. I think that was, you know, possibly one of many bad years (laughs) and, um, yeah, bad, very bad emotional years, very bad. Yeah. One of many bad years. And, I think that, you know, my point, what was my point? (laughs) What was my point? My goodness, Mercury, what's going on? But we're unpacking a lot. So, so in my relating to to men or in my, not even to men, in my relationships that were very intimate, where I would allow myself to be vulnerable, I'd always kind of get this anxiety that the person was going to leave. And then I would overextend myself in ways that were undignified. Um, and also, you know, um, you know, left me vulnerable to a lot of abuse. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, whew, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy what kids go through. It's crazy what people go through. It's crazy what black women go through. It's crazy what mom... It's just crazy. But um, I noticed that because I didn't have, you know, I guess a great example of... Or a great training in, 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 in motivation. And, you know, it was just a lot of trauma, right? And so a huge part of my addictions, um, the manner in which I handled relationships were based on trauma and based on the fact that 
oh my goodness, this is the most amount of love and safety I've ever felt. Whether it be through some form of physical intimacy or just, you know, being paid attention to or being made to feel safe in that moment. And then when they would, you know, disappear, vanish, whatever they were, because a lot of them were effed up. Anyway, <laughs> but I have to acknowledge my toxicity too. And so I can't really say that they were effed up. Um, I, can, I can acknowledge their toxic behavior, their unproductive or destructive behaviors and my parts in being destructive too. So I realized that, you know, the dopamine I was chasing, like my end goal is like, okay, I want to be safe and I want to feel safe and I want to feel love. And once I have it, and, and that was the thing that was motivating me because the first time I felt it with somebody who was outside of my family, in terms of, you know, partners or friends i would chase it like i would literally chase it and it took a lot for me to realize that and i'm super glad that i you know you know i discovered um astrology and neuroscience and psychology and therapies cognitive behavioral therapy because all of these things are helping me really understand um what drives me at a neurological level at a spiritual level at a at a bodily level and just um now we're working towards uh choosing better because we're aware now so that was the story i think we're good for today i would say the best things that you can do is attach the reward to the pursuit so whenever you're you're doing something that's really difficult pursuing a goal that you you are struggling to get through you know writing a book exercising whatever it is write a list down, make your bed, um, put your phone away if you need to, and reward yourself even for the things that you're not doing. So it's fantastic that you are, you are not focusing on things that you shouldn't be focusing on. It's fantastic that you have goals. It's fantastic that you are even attempting to um, work out or whatever it is. It's fantastic and you need to reward those things. And sometimes I think we underestimate... Um, or I guess we don't know where to place positive thinking. And now we know where to place positive thinking. I think, I think in the coming episodes, but I'm just going to have to do more research. Um, I think we can talk about supplementation. I'm not a doctor, so I might get in a doctor who can help with that. Or I can just speak about my personal experience. Because um, I'm going to be going in for some uh, blood tests to check my hormones and what's missing in my body and what I need to supplement with and and I'm going to get IV drips and all that exciting stuff just to be on peak um but I am so excited about us engineering our wellness and I want you to hashtag seven days of dopamine so if you would kindly do that thank you so much for listening uh you are loved you are cared for all the best you're doing amazing and the fact that you made it to the end of this podcast, this episode, <laughs> you're doing amazing, sweetie. You're doing amazing. Um, have a lovely day or evening. Bye-bye.